Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 14. We have so many episodes in the backlog, man, that I gotta edit. I'm, I'm starting to get real confused. I believe this is episode 14, which is super exciting. It's January, it's the new year, it's after the holidays. We're, we're, we're going good into the new year. We're on a bunch of new platforms. And uh, today with me, I got a special guest. We worked together, we recently played Mario Golf and officially met each other and it was a good time so I invited him on to the show because I think he was an awesome dude. Abram Buner, I said you got that it. right? Yeah, you got I it. I got it. I got it, baby. All right. Right on. How's it going, Thanks man? For, I'm doing okay. I, I'm super excited to be sitting down with you because, yeah, we, we've, we've been like, you know, we've been Twitter mutuals and, and it was super cool <laughs> when I saw you pop up in the in the RetroWare Discord, but we didn't get to actually meet until we were on um, the HP Critical show with, with the last Mario Golf Tea Time. And after that, I was like, we got to do something more together. So I'm super glad you reached out. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, um, uh... When we were playing, I learned that you're a film student too, as well. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I'm I, I'm a junior in college right now, um, dual majoring in English and film. So, I'm bu I'm busy. We'll, we'll say that much. That's why, like when we were talking, when we were playing golf, I was like, "All right, sick." Because when I was only in college for a year, I majored in English, but my program was super weird and. Uh, I got to just take a bunch of random courses in my first year. So I took a bunch of film and I took film discussion and stuff like that. And my, my classroom was built like a movie theater. Like it was like a movie theater and we had those little like side tables to scribble on, which was super fun. And my, my professor was just a super passionate dude. And that's what led me on the journey to become a games journalist was uh, you know, you're in college. Like it's, you're having like huge existential crises and you, you know, you're just supposed to figure out who you are. And then, um, I was complaining to my girlfriend at the time, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like I'm super directionless. And she's like, why don't you become like a film critic or something? Like, why don't you just start writing your thoughts down? I was like, all right, all right. So I started to do that and I never got into it professionally, but it was always in the back of my mind. And then eventually, uh, it was the 2017 Game Awards. Sorry, I'm rambling. We'll get back to you in a sec. <laughs> I always do this. I'm sorry. Um, it was the 2017 Game Awards, and I was talking about how I thought Persona 5 was Game of the Year because I hadn't played Breath of the Wild that year. And this guy tweeted me and was like, oh, why do you think that? Blah, blah, blah. And I kind of checked him out, and he had a gaming website that he ran. And he was the editor-in-chief. And he lived in the same city as me. So I emailed him. And I was oh, like, cool. oh, let me write for you. Blah, blah, blah. And we met up in person. And uh, that was Tyler, the editor-in-chief of Game Savvy. Rip Game Savvy back in the day. It's such a good fan back then. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it started. And we were talking before we were recording, right, that you said, even though you're in film, you just want to keep going with the game journalism thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've always known this is what I wanted to do. Um, college was sort of an inevitability for me. And so beyond gaming, um, you know, English, poetry, literature, it's always been an interest of mine, as has film um, for much of my life. So it just seemed, it seemed like a nice way to 
get a lot of the you know the, the tools you need to pursue a career in, in journalism and in writing and also sort of the, the 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 language being able to speak a critical language about you know art and media in general i think is super useful for what we do so it kind of it's a, it's a nice place where i get to expand my interests um but also funnel those skills back towards what i want to do so it works out really nicely mm-hmm. and uh what's your favorite movie of all time uh, my favorite film is Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mine is uh, Lord of the Rings, but sure. Blade Runner. Love it, love it. Um, what'd you think of the sequel? So here's here's where it gets crazy. Uh, that's <laughs> film directed by Denis Villeneuve, who is my favorite director mm-hmm. of all time. Um, and so what I say about 2049 is that 2049 is the better film. I think it is. I think that on a not necessarily in terms of world building but in terms of having like a, a, a more engaged narrative and more engaged characters I think it is a lot better than the original um, and of course Denis' films are beautiful they sound amazing they're super cerebral but there's something about that the, the grittiness and the realism of that Los Angeles that Ridley Scott made in the original that just never be beaten you'll never beat the tears and rain monologue and stuff like that for me so I hold them both right next to each other for different reasons and uh dennis also he directed the movie didn't he do prisoners if i'm correct yes yes he did that's a crazy movie i love that film i love that film it was so good that was uh back in the day back in high school i used to buy a lot of like dvds like physical stuff and i remember seeing that in theaters and was just blown away i was like yo i have to own this movie because I have to show everyone. I remember watching the DVD with an old girlfriend once. And, you know, the ending. The ending is so good. Yeah. And, you know, cut to credits. And I looked at her. And I was like, what do you think? And she's like, oh, that's stupid. And I was like, man. And, and yeah. that's the thing. I love stuff like that. But I think you can kind of... How do I say this without coming off as, like, condescending? I think you can, like, tell people's movie literacy and kind of how they feel about films by endings like that that don't wrap up in a nice tight happy ending bow one a good example is and it's kind of weird but the second hobbit movie ends on a very big cliffhanger that is like very not like the books but i just think it's so perfect like even even if the third film doesn't really follow up on the promise being in the theater and sitting there and like having to just sit in that few seconds of silence afterwards after it's so good it's so good i love it <laughs> yeah no I, I i agree and i don't mind getting a little condescending i think people's media literacy is bad when it comes to a lot of films and, and as a snobbish film I, student i'm allowed to say it i think that's part of the degree um but but no i i'm, I'm somebody who really appreciates subversion um and mm-hmm. so I have to say, the prisoner's ending is a little bit hokey to me because, like, there's no real way of knowing when he's whistling if he gets out or not. Like, like it's just ambiguous, a little bit to be ambiguous, but I think of things, I, I, am, a, I am a notorious um, Last Jedi defender. Uh, which me is, you too! Know, oh, me too! Perfect. <laughs> I, I, I just think that challenge, challenge me on the things I love. I love Star Wars, so yes, challenge me on yes. them. And so that's something I always appreciate. That's why I'm also a big fan of uh, the new Matrix film that came out. 
challenge why I, I haven't love seen this it franchise. Yet. I, so I have not yeah. seen it yet, but I really want to. Um, but yeah, same. I remember. Um, I remember leaving the Last Jedi, and and I was like, I don't know what to think of this. Like, I remember being really um at odds with myself like not knowing how to feel and then coming out of it and thinking more i was like i usually usually when i leave the theater and i have to think about something more i come out not liking it in the end but this was like dang i i think i do enjoy this for the exact like it really challenges what star wars is and, and what it can be and kind of is like because you know the, the, i'm not a huge star wars guy uh but the thing that I've heard from people who I, I guess, like, trust about Star Wars is that the series is about repetition. That is, the Jedi and the Sith will always be a thing. It's always going to be a fight. But then, to me, it's like, okay, am I just going to watch that over and over and over? Like, like that, yeah. that gets a little bit boring narratively. It's not something interesting like a time loop or something. It's just the same narrative elements. So when Luke Skywalker takes the lightsaber and chucks it and says, I'm just some old dude. What do you expect me to do? It's like, yo, okay. Like, this is kind of, you know, it's still very dramatic. There's still this dramatic narrative going on, but it's it's way more grounded and realistic. And I get the criticism that people say, like, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's Star It's a big space opera epic. It's... It's, it doesn't have to be realistic with Grumpy Luke. It's like, I guess, man, but I just... After, I don't want to rehash of the first trilogy. Like, like the first film was, was, you know, just going over the same stuff. And yes, there's new characters and new stuff happening, but do we need a new Death Star? Do we need, you know, another, like, white savior character? Old man Luke? Like, ah, sorry. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm right there with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, today we're talking about, uh, a game that is special to both of us, I think. Uh, you said it's your favorite game of all time, right? I wouldn't go that far. I mean, my favorite game of all time is Star okay. Fox 64, okay. but it's in my top five. Right, it right, right. Five. I remember you, yes. I remember you saying that. So today, everybody, we were talking about Super Mario Galaxy came out in 2007, I believe, for the Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo originally planned for it to be a launch title, but they had to push it back. Uh, I'll come out of the gates and say it. For me, I, it's not my favorite, but I think it's the best 3D Mario. Yes, I, I, I'm right there with you, 100%. Okay, so my personal favorite is Mario Sunshine. Definitely for the nostalgia factor, but... Man, just the how fine-tuned Mario Galaxy is. Why don't you walk me through kind of like where you were in life and how you discovered it back in the day. Okay. Give, me, give me a short bio of Abram, I guess, in, so, in 2007. So here's where it gets complicated. Uh, because in 2007, I was in first grade. Um, I, am, <laughs> <laughs> I am 21. I was born in 2000. So this game to me was a childhood game. And so mm. uh, being young... I, my, my parents had a Mac set up and I would go on it 
Um, but the only I knew how to get to like two sites. I could get to Disney.com to play Flash games, and I could get to um, ga- for whatever reason GameSpot to like their archives. So I'd look up all kinds of weird shit. Like I remember learning about Yo, Yoshi's Safari yeah. on there or whatever. Yo, for me it was it was guides. I would always reach sure. guides for some reason, and I don't know yeah. why. It was just like it was interesting, and then I'd save the files on <laughs> yeah. uh, my computer. Sorry for this again. Super abstract concept. I worked at a grocery store in college, and I think I wore my Fire Emblem shirt to work one day. And I worked midnights. And this guy who worked in produce came up and he's like, "Oh, you like Fire Emblem?" I was like, "Yeah." And he started telling me he used to work doing guides for GameSpot back huh. in like the early two thousands. I was like, "Yo, that's wow. cool. That's, that's awesome. dope, man." But yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and, and so I I gained a lot of familiarity with games there, but th- my main source of news, um, and one of the most influential publications in my entire life, what what provoked me to, be, to become interested in games journalism was Nintendo Power. Uh, mm-hmm. When that Nintendo Power issue showed up in my mailbox every month, the day was set. Like, I can remember, like, I can, some of my fondest memories as a kid, like, I can distinctly remember getting the heart gold and soul silver issue out of my mailbox. Like, I can, I can see that. I can see myself reading that issue. I can remember my parents get, getting the mail, seeing that there was an Nintendo Power in there, and hiding it from me until I'd finished my chores, because I knew if I, <laughs> if, if I got that in my hands before I had finished the dishes or whatever I had to do, they were not getting done. And so... Yeah. I don't remember exactly if if it was in the pages in Nintendo. No, because I got my my first Nintendo Power. I think was two thousand eight. So this was a little bit before. But I also didn't play Galaxy at launch. Is the thing. So that's why the yeah. memory is a little bit hazy. Because obviously I'm like six or seven. I don't have any money, um, and so how I got most of my games was through GameFly, which actually still exists. It's basically it, it what Netflix was is what GameFly still is. It's a disc rental service. And so between between me cross-referencing Nintendo Power and GameSpot, I would come up with games I wanted to rent out of GameFly. And so at this point, I'd already played New Super Mario Bros. DS. It was one of the first games I got with my DS, which is my first Nintendo system. I had a PS2 before that. Um, so I was familiar with Mario, and of course, this game is talked up. Or Believe it or not, Super Mario Galaxy, pretty popular, pretty well-regarded. And so... It, it got into my consciousness through one of these few avenues I had. And so I rented the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was amazed by it. I, I remember, I distinctly, my most distinct and earliest memory of Galaxy is, is you fight you fight um, Baby Piranha at the end of Good Egg Galaxy. And yeah. that's, that's like the first boss fight of the game. And I remember I had to go to my, my grandmother's retirement party. It was like an evening event. There were no kids there. And it was okay. so boring. And it went really late. I I was I had an early bedtime. I think I had to be asleep by like 8 or 9 when I was a kid. My parents just wanted me to go the fuck to bed so they could have their time. But I remember I negotiated in the car ride home between leaving the party and getting home that I could play Galaxy when I got back. Which was like, that was huge. Because we're back at like, like midnight. And Abram's not awake at midnight. This is irregular. But they let yeah, me yeah. play because I was so from the from the beginning I was I was transfixed by this game, and so I've got this just distinct memory that I'll never leave my head of coming home and being more tired than I've ever been in my entire life, but wanting to finish Good Egg Galaxy. This game really is one of the nostalgic titles in my life. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that's what it was pretty much like for me back in the day with Mario Sunshine. Because I'm, I'm, same, same with you. Like, I always had these games late. I never got anything really uh, online. But wait, you you said you you got it afterwards, right? You didn't get it at launch. Yeah, no, no, because I I rented it, and I, and I would imagine right, right. that it was probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine, probably by the time I finally got to play it myself. Yeah, so I was the same way, and um, I remember back in the day with Mario Sunshine. That's I'd like. I'd stay up all night and I'd ask my parents to like stay up later and I didn't have a memory card. So I'd play the game and yep. I'd be like, all right, okay, I'm going to leave this on, I'll put something over it so nobody touches it and sees it still and turns it off. Um, but for, for me, for Mario Sunshine spe- or Mario Galaxy specifically, I think maybe around 20, 2009, 2010. And it was, um, my friend Curtis owned the game, and I would go to his house, and he had a Wii, and I was like, yo, what the hell's a Wii? Yo, this is sick. Like, you know, you point the controller everywhere, and he had, like, Guitar Hero, and um, he had a binder of games, because his brother was, like, high-up tech guy, and he learned how to pirate and burn games. So he had a yeah, sure. giant, giant thing of games, and he had Mario Galaxy, and... Mario Galaxy was an actual game. Like, I saw the, the disc because that disc was, like, blue and red, right? It was super, like, colorful and cool. Yeah. And I was like, yo, Mario. Um, and I plugged it in. And, you know, it was the first scene of Mario, like, running through, going to the castle. And he's, like, super excited. And you could just jump. And I was like, this looks fantastic. This, You know, it's like that classic kid thought of video game graphics are never going to get any better than this. Um, and I had a huge connection to Mario as a kid. Did did you as well, or was it just you played the game and it was, whoa? Yeah, well, so Mario is just kind of one of those ubiquitous characters. And so I had a familiarity with Mario, right? Mm-hmm. But he was also present with me, not right when I started playing games, but, but pretty soon after, because I remember being in kindergarten, and one of my friends at the time had a GameCube. And I guess that I had just been persistently asking my parents for a game system because I didn't have one at that point. Um, yeah. And I remember they got me a PS2. And I love that PS2. It's where I fell in love with games like Lego Star Wars and Monkey Ball and all kinds of things. Um, but shortly after, the, the, the hot item was the DS because the DS, the, the light was out when I was in kindergarten, first grade and everything. And so it wasn't too long after, for Christmas, maybe the following year or the year after, I got a, a DS light. And I got two games with it. I got Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga uh, and DK Jungle Climber. Now, nobody remembers okay. DK okay. Jungle Climber. Um, <laughs> and so I knew enough about Nintendo at this point, because this was before I had Nintendo Power subscription, before I had sort of the, the avenues into learning about Nintendo that, I, that really raised me. But I knew that I needed a Mario game. That was Nintendo to me. That was synonymous. And so I begged my dad... I don't know if I had Christmas money or it was just feeling it's just feeling bad for me because it's like I don't this Donkey Kong game is dumb, I don't understand how to play it. I ended up going <laughs> to GameStop and he got me a copy of New Super Mario Brothers. And that game became my de facto game. It was the sort of thing where I didn't have a lot of games, but this was one that I could always come back to. I would play those mini games, mm-hmm. which I 
which are just ripped out of Mario uh, 64 DS, so not even that special. <laughs> but I would play those over and over again. I couldn't actually beat New Super Mario Brothers. I remember I would pass my DS off to my dad and watch him like finish castles for me and things. But that created this connection to me with Mario from the age of probably... In my geriatric age of 21, I barely remember what happened at 17. So we're going back to like <laughs> 7 instead. But it was around that time. And so... From that age, Mario was very important to me. And New Super Mario Brothers, Wii, Mario Kart Wii, Super Paper Mario, those are some of the early games I got on my Wii, and so Galaxy was just the natural progression of that. Yeah, see, and, and that's the thing, like, because nowadays our industry is kind of more dominated by, which is kind of weird, like, like people in their 40s, people getting in their 50s, right? Like, yeah. the pioneers... Um, you hear so much about like the original Super Mario Bros, about Mario 64, about, uh, you know, the N64 and stuff like that. But for people like you and me, you and I are only like a couple of years apart. It's like GameCube, it's yeah. DS, it's 3DS, like games like New Super Mario Bros. Like you said, Mario uh, Kart Wii, Super Paper Mario, like those were the titles. Like that was what is so uh, imprintable on Definitely. your mind. And, you know, something like Super Mario Galaxy came for at the perfect time for you and I, pretty much. Yeah. Like, um, again, maybe a little bit more for me because I was around like 12-ish. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'd a, I, I was a bit more impressionable in my teenage years. But, you know, it was... It, it's I, I just like talking to people so much where... You know, it was that era of GameCube and stuff because that's what it was for me. And 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 you just go so many years of hearing about the real oldies where it's like, yo, this is us, man. <laughs> this yeah. is our generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree completely. Because I, I, like that was the era, the era I grew up in. But my understanding of it from like a from like a personal level is kind of nonlinear because like Galaxy was pretty early on in the Wii's life, but I had played several other Mario games by the time I got that. It's really actually. It's Galaxy Two is the launch I remember distinctly. Getting that game day one, I remember I traded in like a stack. GameStop was having like a deal, so I traded in like a stack of games to get that. But Galaxy was just kind of there first, and by the time I was ready for it, it was waiting for me. Sort of very similar, actually, to Twilight Princess in that respect. But um, that point about nostalgia, I think, is really interesting. And I was actually writing about this for RetroWare to where nostalgia is getting younger, right? We we think about the ways, specifically in the case of Nintendo, w by the time we got to, you know, the, the Wii era was reviving that nostalgia for third generation, fourth generation, right? It was, it was, let's bring back Mario, let's bring back Donkey Kong Country. We get into 3DS territory, now we're remaking N64 games on 3DS. Now, now we get up, up into the Switch era, and, and we're bringing back Skyward Sword, and we're bringing back, you know, Wii U had... You know, Wind Waker and, and Twilight Princess coming back. And now Diamond and Pearl, my first, well, Platinum was my first, but Gen 4 bringing that back. That The nostalgia, I think, is trending downwards towards us as we come up into a place where, yeah, we feel nostalgic for these games now, which is why it was super cool for me when, in spite of 3D All-Stars, I think being a pretty poor collection and a pretty scummy business move on the whole, still seeing Galaxy back on Switch was a big moment for me. See, I agree, 
But at the same time, I think the nostalgia factor is, is turning less from, okay, it's a generation or a period thing, and it's just becoming a thing of, oh, remember this thing that you like from, sure. you know, it could be five, like, look at, yeah. look at Spider-Man, the new, like, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is not even 10 years old. And that's a huge thing for people. Yeah. And I guess spoilers, but like, it's everywhere. God. <laughs> it, yeah, the movie's made um, of 1.4 billion. I think anyone listening <laughs> to us has seen it. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's just becoming like, hey, you have good memories and you like this thing. So now it's just, the stuff. Sure, it's yeah. not like the thing of, oh, 20 years ago from when you were a kid. It doesn't have to be about when you were a kid anymore. It's just becoming True. a thing of back in the day and I guess it's a little weird because that's what the show is it's not I because I remember when I was pitching it to people originally like what I wanted they're like oh so you're just gonna focus on retro games and it's like no I just want to focus on games that people love and that they have fond memories of the first game we did back I think the first episode came out in April um we did Final Fantasy VII Remake which was literally a year old at the time yeah like so I guess it's a long rambling thing of agreeing, but also saying like, it's just, it's becoming nostalgia's changing, I think in a sense in the sure. entertainment industry, at least. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, I agree completely. No, I, th I think you're out of the money with that. Was it, was it odd for you to go from new Super Mario bros to like 3d Mario? Because you know, it's a big change. And, 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 and the thing that we constantly hear from YouTubers and people in our industry who are older is like, man, back in the day when Ocarina of Time came out, like the 3D was mind blowing. And it's like, I never had that moment because there was just always 3D. Like it was, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really have that moment either because when when you're a kid and sort of the, the lineage of a franchise doesn't matter and I'm, I've been playing Lego Star Wars for all these years, or I've been playing <laughs> random Neopets platformers and all kinds of bizarre stuff on PS2, and really the mascot era, right? It, there's nothing really special about Mario moving around in 3D, you know, because I didn't have that kind of that kind of context. I actually believe that I think I played 64 before I played Galaxy, because the the idea of like a ten dollar uh, Virtual console game was a lot more attainable to me as a kid, so I, you know, I had a lot of virtual console games, um, especially by the yeah. time I was reading Nintendo Power and getting interested in Nintendo's history. So I didn't, I didn't have that that wow moment. I think Galaxy elicits those wow moments in a different way that I appreciate a lot more now that I'm older. The sort of scale, what they were able to get out of that Wii hardware, like that's the story about Galaxy's sort of awe inspiration i think mm -hmm. and man did it do a lot with that hardware that game yes ran in 480p and looks gorgeous yes <laughs> like it looks so good it's just great and again it, it just nintendo is like the driving factor of uh people being like oh it's not 4k like what the hell is like bro things don't need to be this high resolution to look good something like art direction is so much more important and yeah totally i remember back in the day like playing the game for the first time and it, it wasn't like i remember the initial thought was like whoa this game is like darker it's like it, it's a bit more it look you know 
going from sunshine to galaxy, from warm, sunny, tropical scene to the the endless darkness of space, kind of. And even in Peach's like courtyard, just running around, it's like this seems more realistic. And it wasn't more realistic, but it was like something about the art direction made it seem a lot more, uh, I guess, mature in a sense. Even it's you know it's it's hard to put into words, but I agree um, with you actually, pretty much entirely. I think that specifically during. Well, what's interesting about the the Wii effectively is it is it is the ultimate example of of Gunpei Yokoi's philosophy of lateral thinking with withered technology, or the idea of let's take weaker hardware and repurpose it at an accessible price point with a new sort of avenue, new lens into it that people don't expect to make a fun experience that isn't contingent on power. And that's exactly what the Wii is. I mean, the Wii remote is primitive. The the, the Wii was as powerful basically as people joke like two GameCube stuck together. And so I think mm-hmm. that from a, from a visual perspective, Nintendo worked to differentiate the system through what honestly was a little bit more of a mature bend to the visuals. A lot of games you look at Brawl's like comparative realism and its character models compared to Melee. You look at, of course, the the knee jerk reaction to Zelda or Wind Waker, as people pejoratively used to refer to it as, which gave us Twilight Princess. There, there's definitely a more angular. A darker, more saturated feel to Galaxy even. While it is still a very playful, imaginative game, I think Nintendo was working to differentiate themselves from that GameCube library, which, even though I think it's Nintendo's best library, was definitely flagging and definitely did not have the reputation they were looking for. Yeah. I've, I've heard people describe the GameCube era, era as the experimental era, right? They did Luigi Mansion, Pikmin, Super Mario Sunshine, like all this super cool stuff. And then uh, the Wii, despite the fact that it was such a casual console market, was like the adult timeline. Because, like you said, it had Brawl, which was like super realistic and had this crazy dark story mode. And it had uh, Mario Galaxy, which was darker, Twilight Princess, like all this stuff, like Mad World, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Like, they had all these crazy, mature games. Um, no more heroes. Like again, it's it's it exactly like you said. It was such a knee jerk reaction, and even Mario got involved. Like with Mario Galaxy, it was such a it was it was it was such a, a yin and yang type deal. But um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just it's interesting to see how trends go, and and like you said, going back to those old Nintendo Power magazines and seeing like. It, it is a time machine back in the industry. It is like getting to read what people thought or their speculation back in the day where things are good. It's so, so cool. Because like, you can't really do that in our field nowadays. Like you can't really do that with articles in the same way. It, it doesn't have the same, um, je ne sais quoi, you know what I mean? Like the same panache. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as good as holding the magazine and, and opening it up and like it, it it's 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 history in your hands type deal but yeah I'm i mean rambling. i mean <laughs> as the features editor of ninty fresh which is a print nintendo magazine you're preaching to the choir i mean there is there is <laughs> there is a quality to print there is an expression of passion in holding yes. that magazine that isn't translatable through the digital even though 
we and we can both testify because this is our passion, our careers. We put that we put that level of care into an article, but on that web page, you don't you don't feel it the same way as you feel it as you're flipping those pages of a magazine. This career means a lot to me. I've been writing since I was 15 about just blogging for myself and parlayed that into now a little a little niche for myself and beginnings of a career and. The, the writing means everything to me. It, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an anxious person, I'm an OCD person, but when I can organize my thoughts on a page and put that passion out to the audience, that just means more than I could ever really express. And so it means doubly as much when it was Nintendo Power, it was reading, it was reading the Don't Hassle the Hoff column in there and everything, and feeling <laughs> that passion that, got, that, that sparked the, the, the path I followed, and then... To pay that back by being part of Ninty Fresh, which helps to carry on the legacy of a publication like Nintendo Power, while also carving out a, a new identity for for print magazine journalism in an era where it is just being outflanked by digital is, is incredible. The fact that we were able to deliver to to the audience these beautiful premium magazines that are about history and they're about retrospection and, and thoughtful discussion of, of, of these games that we all love, seeing my name printed in a magazine that I think surpasses what I read as a kid that began my path here is, I can't even begin to really express what, th what that means to me. When I got, Ninty Fresh 5 was the first one I was in, so when I, when I got that, it was a Metroid issue, and I got that Metroid issue, and I was looking through it, and like, not only was my name there, but my name is there next to these incredibly talented and thoughtful writers, and this beautiful commissioned artwork, and it really was an incredibly important and special moment in my life when I held that magazine for the first time. How I guess, how would you describe the style of Mario Galaxy to somebody who hasn't seen it, especially compared to... 64 and Sunshine. Super Mario Galaxy was a reimagining of what 3D Mario was for an audience that would not have understood or engaged with a Galaxy or 64. Super Mario Galaxy is in large part a rejection of 3D Mario. It, it rejects the it rejects that fifth generation collectathon format of here's a here's here are these larger levels here are these hubs to explore. It is not Mario 64. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's the sort of linear New Super Mario Brothers format with the scope and the ambition and the ideas of that 3D Mario formula. Now that got taken to what I think is its natural conclusion in. 3D world, but I don't think you could have gotten to 3D world had it not been for Galaxy. I don't think you would have gotten Galaxy had you not released a 3D Mario into an environment where the where your your control scheme is not it's not tailored for your your audience, the entire ethos of your device is not tailored for the more I don't want to say hardcore because you know 64 Sunshine these aren't hardcore games, but they are more traditional engaged platformers. This is something that is simultaneously more casual um, and, and in some ways on, a, on sort of a systemic level less ambitious but on a, on a creativity level on a presentational level on an ambition scale paradoxically 
beyond anything that Nintendo could have imagined with 64 and, and Sunshine. I think it is the most contradictory and interesting and uniquely successful 3D Mario game Nintendo ever released. I, I think the best way to put it, right, is there's still a theme to the game, like space and gravity, right? Yeah. Where Mario Sunshine was tropical and, you know, seaside. Then we have this, the the space of Mario Galaxy, but it's like, it was, it was only a background theme with the gravity and the spinning, right? Yeah. It was like, there were still so many different galaxies you could go, like there was galaxies expired, or sorry, inspired by... Mario Sunshine, and there was, you know, sure. Sand Galaxy, you know, some very traditional Mario stuff, and it pulls it off so well, like everything, like everything it does, and I remember back in the day, like, not realizing that, right, that I remember just thinking it's another 3D Mario game, like, they're all, yeah. they're all the same, you just, you just collect the stars, but like you said, once you get older and you realize it's like, this is very different from Mario 64 and... Mario Odyssey and, and and stuff like that, because in in Mario sixty four and Mario Sunshine, you could enter a level but do something completely opposite of what yeah. it's pushing you to do and go get a different star with with uh, Mario Galaxy. There, there's room for right. There's some times where you can like feed the Lumas the star bits, right? But yeah. that's kind of it, and that's like very very like limited times whereas in this yeah. it's it it directly shows you what you should do it's very obvious what you should do and i remember back in the that's what i i found frustrating and to, to this day find frustrating about mario 64 is getting in a level and being like well what the fuck do i do because <laughs> right. i'm so used to galaxy i'm so used to being told right away and being shown like okay this is this is where you're going to go <laughs> y yeah i i think it just, it interrogates a different design philosophy, and it's a very classically Nintendo design philosophy. I think they recognize that the, the, if, if, we're look, if we're aiming after the blue ocean consumer with the Wii, the, the casual player, the, the mom and dad, the grandma, the grandpa, the, the, the kids, right? We need, we need an experience here with 3D Mario, one of, our, one of our tentpole releases on this machine. We need it to have something of a, of a guardrail on it to speak to our audience who doesn't may, might not have the literacy for a game like Sunshine, might not have the just the, the familiarity with, with games to have a two-stick set up, right? We're, we need something that's a little bit more accessible in that regard. So we're going to make it more linear. But we're also going to, in, in very much our style, take a core mechanic and, and play with that and stretch it, and that's the gravity mechanic. The idea that the ways you move in, in Galaxy of Space is completely irregular. And the fact that they're able to make an intuitive gaming experience in which you are upside down on a planet and you're, you're jumping, you're, the way you move Mario is contextual to where he is on a 3D planetoid, like, that is so complicated. And because the game is centralized on it, they take it in so many different ways. I remember back in the being a kid playing this game, I just got it instant. Like I just yes. understood it, and it moved so well. Yeah. Now as an adult going back and playing the 3D All Stars, I find it harder and yes, more difficult to control. It's so, and I've heard that from so many people. It's so odd, and I don't understand why because it's the same game. 
Yeah. I, and like, well, you know, we've only gotten better. Yeah. I think what's, what's interesting about it is that Nintendo, we're working on this, this batshit 5D scale of you're in space, you can move anywhere. We're breaking all <laughs> the traditional rules of a platformer here. And so to compensate, yeah, yeah. It's, it's more mechanically simple. Mario cannot do a lot of the things he can do in other games. Um, and I mm-hmm. think because of that, the, the control in, the, in Mario's feel in Galaxy is specific to Galaxy. And so it feels natural in the context of these worlds we are jumping between planetoids. But it doesn't feel natural when you come from Odyssey, which I think has the best Mario movement, wherein you have so many options with Cappy and just Mario even without Cappy, that those restrictions, while contextually appropriate for the game, make it harder to move Mario the way you want him to move when you know that he can move in this other way. At least that's the way I've always read it, going back when I played 3D All-Stars. That's interesting because I, I wanted to get into that, like, uh, get into kind of the hot take of, like, for me, I've always thought uh, Mario Galaxy has the best movement because, like, sure. I guess the best controls. Mario, like, yeah. Odyssey obviously has the best movement because there's so many options, but I find the options a bit daunting and hard to pull off at times. Sure, yeah. So, I guess it is kind of interesting maybe that's why like maybe maybe it is because i've played mario odyssey and 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 gone back and played sunshine so many times that something like the gravity and like you said just like standing on a planet upside down it could be moving could be could be spinning and it's it's so like mind-boggling and even even back in the day i remember the technology was huge like to literally yeah because you know that's what they showed off at, at space world back in the day with the Mario 128 thing totally, was like, yeah. look at this, look at the spheres and look at the, the changing um, um, landscapes and stuff. And the technology was later used in stuff like Twilight Princess and such. Um, so it was just, it was so wild back. And again, it's just weird to, as a kid, you just got it. You just understood yeah. it because, you know, we, we understood 3D gaming so much better back in the day as kids because we had no no uh, references to what came before in a sense really but yeah yeah um, it's just it's just such a great match it, it this game is among the clearest example of why i maintain that nintendo is nearly unmatched on, on a design level the fact that they were able to take mario to space and not just not just the way that super mario land 2 takes mario to space where he like puts on an astronaut helmet and he can float but in the <laughs> ways that space completely fundamentally changes the way Mario moves. And that's why the game, I, I totally understand, while I, I disagree that it's where the controls feel best, it's where the, I think this is where the controls feel the most appropriate. Because you can't, you can mm-hmm. break Galaxy, or sorry, you can break Odyssey. The people, like, when you learn how to speedrun, or as soon as you learn how to throw Cappy, bounce off Cappy, bounce again, you can break the entire game. You can't really sequence break Galaxy that same way, because it is so precisely considered the way mario moves in those environments mm-hmm. yeah it i don't know it's it's it just feels so good yeah. <laughs> it feels like it the design is 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 insane um the thing that's interesting too like you said about it being in space is 
you know, when you when you go in the star thing and it explodes and Mario like shoots out in the sky and for a few seconds you're just floating. And you know, when you go to a planet, right, instead of jumping through a painting or, or jumping into the M sign in Mario Sunshine, you, you're just floating for a couple seconds. And I remember reading this thing today about um, that's why they added star bits into the game so that you could point at the screen and have something to do while you're floating through space. But I was thinking, I was like, Man, I get kind of, not like a lot, but just a tiny bit annoyed at that because I just want to look at the game because it's so pretty. Like, like it's so cool to just look at them floating through. I don't think they needed to have something to do. It's like for once, the game was just so visually uh, appealing and such a like graphical powerhouse, even though it was, <laughs> like we said, 480p. Yeah. <laughs> Um, did you did you like that change though of of um, uh, the linearity of, of the levels when compared to, to 64 or was it kind of like oh, I missed I missed the old so I, I don't think I had nearly I, I had no personal attachment to 64 really when I played it mm -hmm. and so that that format inherently didn't do anything for me not because I thought it was bad by any respect but just because Okay, this is how this is how Mario sixty four plays, and then when you hold that in concert with Galaxy, okay, this is how Galaxy plays. Looking back retrospectively, I personally prefer this. I I, I think that the the three D world form format, which is as stripped back. Uh, really as it can be of let's get to the goalpost right let's let's stay tethered to the ground or some sort of ground we're going to move a little bit more traditionally we're going to reach a goal i love that because it, it facilitates great level diversity but galaxy is even better in my opinion because it takes that level diversity but it pairs it with a with an with an ambition in terms of how you you interact with this world that no other mario game has and so yeah, sure, I can go off and feed a hungry Luma to go to a different, you know, part of the, the, the galaxy, but ultimately, that's the only sort of branching path I can really take, but that doesn't bother me when I am constantly being given a new idea, a new galaxy to explore, a, a new piece of music in the background. The fact that the game keeps, it just has this Rolodex of ideas that feels never-ending, and it does them at a, at a level of ambition that no other Mario game operates at. And, and that's the thing is the new ideas are so constant like as soon as you get comfortable with something but then there's something new and it's not it's not always like oh new idea old one scrapped it's always new idea and and the old one will come back at just a later date right like yeah. even even the flying star thing you get to like at the very end of the game is yeah. used once for one level and they implemented those mechanics and that power up just for that one time it's crazy and it's, I don't know, it, 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 like, yeah, Mario Odyssey does it too, right? Like, there's always something new in Mario Odyssey, like a, a new uh, thing to throw Cappy at, but it was just so wild to go from sunshine where it's, everything's just water and using flood to, um, you know, here's, here's a whole new galaxy, do something here, go to another one, here's a new power up, try and like traverse with that. Oh, go to another galaxy. Here's a whole new mechanic or something. Like it's just, it led to so much diversity. And even though um, some ideas are repeated, they do it in a different way uh, each time. And and 
to me, I've always held the, the idea that Mario 64 is the worst 3D Mario. I agree I completely. I know people love it. I know people love it, but it's just, it it's aged poorly in my opinion and the controls and yada 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 like it's just gotten better and better and i think mario galaxy was like the real the real period the real like we did it like you know it, it's it's one of the most critically acclaimed games for a reason and um i i i guess i'm just repeating it's just the 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 new ideas constantly that that made the game so beautiful yeah and, and i mean you know the if you, the, the galaxies just show that yeah. right there's always a new galaxy and, and they're all so different yeah and to interpret beauty in a different way also more literal way the game is beautiful and i think it's beautiful because it can evoke a sense of scope that no other mario game can the, there is a, a, a triumph to beginning, as you're saying, when you're flying into that galaxy and you see the planetoids in the distance. And as I know you want to get to, that the, the orchestral soundtrack is behind you. And it, the, the ways you land on a planetoid, Mario feels small. Mario is very small on the screen in this game. And you can bring mm -hmm. the camera closer in some respects, but often you're kind of forced to enjoy Mario from a distance and enjoy... The, 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 the locale around you in a way that you're not really asked to in the other games where, especially, well, 3D World does a similar thing, but the other Mario games, it's really about Mario's traversal. It's about centralizing Mario, but here it feels like we're centralizing the galaxy, and Mario is walking through the galaxy, which I think is partially a, a mechanical decision to where you sort of have a sense of context of where Mario is in an otherwise disorienting space. But it also serves this sort of dual function of making the game feel so big in a really exciting way. Mm -hmm. it, it, you just got me thinking about about 3D World now, to be honest. Because, you know, it's there are some game franchises where... Um, I think Final Fantasy is, is, is kind of like this, too. You see, like... The thought process. You see the game releases, you see the criticism it gets, and you see the, the devs implement that criticism and what worked well and how that fits into the next game. And, and something like uh, Galaxy to 3D World and then Odyssey and stuff like that, or even you could say Bowser's Fury. It's just... I don't really have a point. It's just interesting. It's... it's Yeah. Uh, uh, I love I love thinking about it. It's, it's I actually... Ah, never mind, never mind, I won't get into that. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. I think, and what's interesting about that is, is that Galaxy's influence on the series, in my opinion, was fairly short-lived, the larger 3D Mario games, because 3D Land, which released uh, on 3DS in 2011, the only handheld, well, then Switch makes it complicated, but the only dedicated handheld <laughs> 3D Mario game, other than don't come talk to me about 64DS, you know what I mean. That, that yeah. game... 3D Land couldn't have existed without Galaxy and Galaxy 2 in terms of let's take that philosophy of, um, you know, as I was saying, the the creativity and sort of the more linear format with sort of that new Super Mario with his DNA in it and put that on handheld. I think you needed Galaxy to get there. I don't necessarily think you needed Galaxy to get to um, 
3D world, even though 3D world takes a lot of the motifs from Galaxy in terms of things like switch blocks, beat blocks, Rosalina, some of the interstellar motifs and everything. But for the most part, that philosophy was then chopped because people didn't want that. They wanted to go back to the what we were establishing uh, pre-Galaxy with the, the collectathon format. So then Odyssey was basically a complete inversion of what of what Galaxy led us to. And w even with 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, that to me was a, a look to the future of, yeah, linear Mario, 3D Mario is probably dead because we're going to tack on Bowser's Fury, which is the exact antithesis to that. And so between mm -hmm. the, the critical response to that, even though I don't think Bowser's Fury is very good, uh, and the critical response Thank to you. Odyssey... Thank you! Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I think Bowser's Fury is so, not very good. <laughs> what I was going to say earlier when I was like, oh, never mind, was that I reviewed uh, 3D World back in the day, plus Bowser's Fury, and I didn't yeah. like it very much. <laughs> I think I gave it like a 6 or something. And, and you know, it was like... It was one of those moments where everybody was loving it, and I was like, "Yeah, am I crazy? Like, am I just not getting this? Because it it just didn't feel good. I don't know. It's just it it felt shallow in my opinion. Like it 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 didn't feel as finely tuned. It felt like, oh, here, just go collect these things. It's open. Like, okay. Yeah. And then it was, oh, go fight Bowser again. Like, big. It's like, well." What's so fun about being big? Like it's it's not exciting. <laughs> it's just a gimmick. It's it's I don't know. Yeah, no, That's... I I agree and and I think the reason is because it stands I think as the antithesis to what Galaxy was. First of all, the mm -hmm. movement is bizarre because we're trying to retrofit Odyssey's freedom into the framework of a much more limited mechanic much more mechanically limited Mario game, which already feels yeah. better but it doesn't feel right. But I think the bigger issue yeah. is that we lack any of the invention of, of Galaxy. When we talk about the ways that you stumble into a new galaxy and there's a new... not Even even if there's not even a new gameplay mechanic, you're being presented with a, with a different context to platform through. Bowser's Fury is only one context, and it, it is a very simple one. Galaxy really is, is also fairly simple in terms of... Even the more peculiar stages, like you're rolling on top of the, the the ball or whatever, the motion control stages, they're very they're very basic. But it is it is the variety that makes them so compelling. It's the ambition. It's the scope. Bowser's Fury lacks that. I think what Bowser's Fury does. It's also. Is... Bowser's Fury's repetitious. It's yes, it's, yes, it's, yeah. you know, it is it is the complete opposite of Mario Galaxy. Like yeah. we said earlier, it there is no new ideas throughout it. It's just. It's just platforming, and every five fucking minutes you have to run back to go fight Bowser. Right. And it's just, yeah. I remember after, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just, it's, it was so annoying. I remember yeah. putting that in my, it was just annoying to be like, okay, go fight Bowser again. Yay. <laughs> uh, no, I think but you no, said it you're like, you're, it, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Like, it is. Like, Mario Galaxy and something like Bowser's Fury are complete antithesis. They're complete opposites, and I just think Mario Galaxy does this, is, is the right one. I think it was yeah. the better direction. And it's it's just, it's so weird to say that when everybody loved Bowser's Fury. Like, the only, the only complaint I heard about it was, oh, there's not enough. It's like, yeah, there's not enough, because there wasn't a lot of ideas to begin with. 
Yeah, <laughs> like, I because while I prefer Linear 3D Mario, you can do Sandbox Mario very well. I think Sunshine is an ex I think Sunshine is an unpolished but incredibly f interesting game, and I think Odyssey yes. is also a ton of fun. But but what Odyssey nails and Bowser's Fury fails to is that. It's about this sort of micro-exchange between Mario and an enemy, or how am I going to reach this, this moon as Mario? Bowser's Fury didn't have that. It tried, to, it tried to be both the linear Mario and the sandbox Mario, wherein I think to do one right, you can't do the other. And, and so mm. it just feels like a space between spaces that I think is inevitably going to become the future of Mario, but I just think it needs a couple more revisions before it gets there. I think I think the future's gonna be very odd for the franchise, right? Because we haven't had a 2D Mario in a long time, yeah. And then things like Mario Maker comes out, and it's just I think it is undeniable that <laughs> people outside of Nintendo are better at making more fun and creative Mario levels than than something like. Um, New Super Mario Bros. U. Like, I bought the game when it came out on Switch because I was like, oh, I never played the original. It's super fun. And then it's like, man, these levels are incredibly basic and just the same. And then going and playing Mario Maker, it's like, man, this is creative as hell. Like, people are given the exact same tools and do so much more. Yeah, some levels are batshit hard, but those aren't the ones I'm playing. I'm just playing things that are mario levels with like an interesting twist and then like you said we have we have things like uh bowser's fury where people are constantly saying this is going to be the future of the series and it's like whoa i don't know if this is the direction i want type deal it's 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 very odd yeah i i think nintendo is going to have to really consider where mario goes next carefully because, again, I don't necessarily think... I, I think that if you had taken Bowser's Fury's idea of a completely open Mario game, but you put it in the context of Odyssey's creativity and Odyssey's emphasis on the moment-to-moment -moment invention of, okay, maybe you're going to reach this next moon with a capture. Maybe you're going to get there by some crazy wall jumps. So just that sort of... the sort of spice and collectible emphasis and... That would have made Bowser's Fury's format, I think, feel better. So I think there's a route forward there for sure. But 2D Mario in particular is in a very weird place. Also because I think 2D Mario has not been at the pinnacle of the 2D platformer genre in a very, very long time. Um, I'm, always a, I'm, I'm a much bigger Donkey Kong Country fan, personally. Um, and yes, so, yes. Yeah. When you got a tropical freeze... I don't know what you're doing against a tropical freeze, right? You're going you're gonna, you're, you're gonna to tell me that... New Super Mario Bros. U is supposed to stand up against Tropical Freeze, never did. And, you know, you re-release the two games on Switch and the disparity becomes even starker. So I personally hope that mm. Nintendo brings 2D Mario back when they're ready to do something different. And I think they can, because Mario is so flexible. He always has been. Both literally, you can do a lot of cool stunts that I could never pull off. But also as a, as a design, on a design level, you can do whatever you want with Mario. So just take some time, well, and I'm glad that they have. It's just funny, right, because... The game that was special to both you and I was New Super Mario Bros. And I remember right. back in the day on the DS, like, that was a big game. That was yes. a huge game. And it was, it was oh, we haven't had a, a new 2D Mario in a long time. And that game just blew up. And then 
nowadays, like in the day of the Wii U and the 3DS, it was they released like three 2D Mario games to like no critical acclaim. Like people liked them, yeah. and they sold well, but they were they're never. Nobody talks about New Super Mario Bros. Two, like <laughs> it's just they just don't. But in something like our sphere, like in the in the gaming, everybody talks about Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze because yep. it's like incredible. Sure, the game might not have sold as well, but it's just so good as a platformer that at least people are talking about it type deal. And it, it's just in a game or in a time where in the Switch era. So many franchises are like hitting this pinnacle of going a new direction, like Mario, Fire Emblem, Metroid, Zelda, all going in like these, they all have these new ideas and they're like breaking record sales records. And then there's Mario, like there's 2D Mario and it's like, where is this going? Like what? It, it is interesting. It's just super weird because like everybody knows, it's, it's nintendo's flagship title <laughs> like it, it it feels like now more days like zelda's becoming more of the flagship title because it's it's retaining like obviously mario's more iconic and and recognizable but zelda has just held this presence of absolute bonkers sales numbers and insane critical acclaim while also still to this day influencing the rest of the 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 game industry it's wild it's i guess you could say it's breath of the wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry. nintendo's in an interesting position where uh, the, what what is the s tier of nintendo is changing in a very fundamental way animal yeah. crossing is you look i really think that the s tier of nintendo is smash brothers mario kart animal crossing pokemon by pokemon by technicality and um, Splatoon, I because if you look if you look in Japan, Splatoon is enormous in Japan, and after two games, we're already pushing 13 million units sold, which is incredible. Breath of the Wild is the first time in a long time that Zelda has done better than Mario. Mm -hmm. That's somewhat of an outlier. The fact that Breath of the Wild moved 20 some million copies is astronomical, right? And Zelda still, I think, has something to give from an influence perspective. There's no shortage of games that draw from Breath of the Wild. I, I think the thing is, Mario has... He's done his time. He's done it. And he'll always be iconic. He'll always be Mario, Nintendo's most iconic character. But he, he's not moving in the way that Splatoon is moving and Animal Crossing is moving and, and these franchises. He will always be the face of the company. But I don't think that on a design level... Mario is where Nintendo is right now, and I think, I think Odyssey was a return to that. Mar Mario will always be the, the, the cash cow. He'll be the breaking case of case of fire. He always has been. His games sell incredible. New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe has been. I don't know if it still is, but for a long time, one of the top ten best-selling Switch games. It blew past ten million units sold. Right, mm -hmm. far almost doubled Mario Maker two sales. So there's a cachet and a recognition there, but I don't think that that. I don't think Mario is where Nintendo's creative spark lies right now. And I think Galaxy yeah. was a counter... Sorry, I think Odyssey was a counterpoint to that. Because all around Odyssey is a lot of Mario titles for a generation and a half that felt real safe or felt not nearly as ambitious as 
what was happening around it. And that's partially because he's a safety blanket. You you make a Ultra Smash, not because you got a good idea for Ultra Smash, but because Mario's name on the box moves a unit, right? So yeah. it's it's weird. I think Mario's gonna have to really fight to to be considered, at least in my heart, the way that these more interesting, more youthful Nintendo series are moving. Oh, I know one last thing I wanted to say. This this is I remember this is what I was thinking about, because we were talking about how Mario Galaxy has like more of a mature narrative and like you said the stuff about Rosalina and her mm -hmm. backstory and, and stuff like that um, and how it, Mario Galaxy really stands out as this special Mario game because of that narrative Abram we've talked about this before when we were on the HP Critical stream you have to play Thousand Year Door you yes. have to play it's so the narrative is so good it is the worlds are so magical that like you think oh it's like a mario kind of magic it is so beyond that it is yeah. the, oh it is i would i would love to hear your thoughts whenever you play because it's it's fucking brilliant but um to to get into that to get into the more narrative elements because from what i hear a lot of people didn't either loved or hated that aspect of Mario Galaxy. They're like, I just want this to be a Mario game. I don't need this Disney Princess Rosalina stuff. Yeah. And her like going through a, a storybook backstory. It's like, dude, how do you not want that? Like, it's <laughs> you just want the the princess like getting captured again. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I have never one time read even one chapter of Rosalina's diary <laughs> over every playthrough of Galaxy I've ever had. Can... I'll, I'll tell you something funny to go off yeah. that. I didn't even know it was a thing until <laughs> Mario 3D All-Stars. And I walked into like that little room and I was like, what the hell's this? Yeah. <laughs> what a cutscene. And that's, and and that's like, very interesting. And the reason yeah. that's interesting is because the sort of the sort of way that this came into the game. This is a create the, the Rosalina storybook is a creation of Yoshiaki Koyazumi, who people will now know as the director of Super Mario Odyssey, who said he wrote the storybook book in secret and then presented it to Miyamoto, and so it exists in this like sequestered off place where you never have to engage with it if you don't want to. And personally, I don't really want to. That is, it's not really a, a commentary on the on the caliber of the writing or the narrative or anything, but more so, that's not why Mario is interesting to me. It's not even really why Galaxy is interesting to me. It is a it is a gameplay driven experience. Now, what I find fascinating about the storybook is the fact that it is there, and the fact that it sort of sowed the seeds for a, a man like Koyazumi to come into the franchise with with a fresh direction, a new identity for the series, and. Even though Odyssey is not a narrative-heavy game at all, he still is able to take Mario in sort of a narrative direction, in a new narrative direction, taking us to these places with, with the new races of Mario enemies, and including this, this different, albeit equally simple, story about Mario's wedding, and I don't think you could have done that unless you sort of bred a, a creative who was passionate enough about the lore of the Mario universe who would go and write the story for Rosalina, in secret, and then get Miyamoto to put it into the game. Uh, 
I could be completely wrong about this. Wasn't Miyamoto like initially like very against it, wasn't he? Well, I I thought I read somewhere that like Koizumi went to him and he was like, "No, like no story. What are you talking about?" As far Again, as I could as, be misremembered. As far as I understand that that is a widely reported but somewhat inaccurate recounting of what happened. That Miyamoto really was more surprised that he did the work opposed to somebody who came in to reject it. There's always the debate with modern Paper Mario of, is it Miyamoto who is standing in the way of these games having characters? And it's possible. Miyamoto is an old man and he is a brilliant man who has a design philosophy that he wants to impart onto people below him. And whether or not that manifests itself as, no, I don't want the storybook, or no, that Toad cannot have a name or a costume, and Sticker Star is somewhat nebulous. But there's definitely a Miyamoto philosophy and a Koyazumi philosophy. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Uh, might be a, a bit of a hot take, but I, I've definitely talked to some people with it who have given me uh, some pushback and people have totally agreed. I am very excited to see what Nintendo looks like post-Miyamoto. Like you said, he is a fucking brilliant dude. Yes. And the grandfather of the video game industry. Just, like, he deserves all the praise he gets. Despite me being a massive old-school Paper Mario fan, like... It's just he, you know, yeah. You, you can't hate on the guy. It's it. It's just, I just, I'm excited to get new blood in Nintendo yeah. and and to see where that leads and to see what can happen without his direct influence because his influence is always going to be on Mario. It's always going to be on yeah. the entire gaming industry. Like I remember uh, uh, reading this quote. Uh, I think it was in like a Jason Schreier book or something about somebody saying, you cannot make 3D games without being influenced by Zelda and Mario. It is impossible. Sure. Like there is some design work that is influenced either directly or uh, in some kind of mechanic that was created by those two genres. Again, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited to see what happens afterwards. And I think that day is coming soon. I think the next, because, you know, like you said, Koizumi was the one that uh, took head on Odyssey, but, you know, Miyamoto's still there. Um, and I think the next Mario game is, you know, well in development, if not releasing in the next couple of years. So he'll still have that influence in that game. But just the future. I'm excited for the future. Yeah, I am too. I think there's a major sea change in Nintendo in uh uh, in a, a post-Owada era as men like Miyamoto and Ayanuma be begin to step back. And with Japanese corporate culture, they're always going to be there. But y you look at, you know, um, Sakamoto just working with Mercury Steam on Metro Dread or something. I think we're going to see these men in, in a similar way to Koyazumi stepping up. We're going to see we're gonna see these 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 men like Miyamoto and and Ayanuma shifting their focus, and Miyamoto is gonna work is gonna go work on advocating for and designing Pikmin Bloom, and he's gonna work on the Mario movie, and and it's gonna be that that younger talent who is who's driving development, and mm -hmm. soon also 
hardware decisions. So I think it's quite likely that we see Nintendo step away from a lot of their sort of classical hardware and software design philosophies as this younger generation ends up taking leadership roles, which we're beginning to see happen now. So the next generation is going to be very, very interesting, I think. I, I think the most interesting part is, it, you know, if, that, if that's true, if, if we're getting new blood and, and things are really changing, especially with COVID, and like you said, how corporate-driven Japanese development is, right? Mm -hmm. Like they said, it was such a mindfuck for them to work from home that yeah. most, Unequipped for like, it. A, a lot of developers don't even have home computers. Yeah. Um what that looks like because nintendo has the history of very very good high selling video game console next console is kind of a failure <laughs> they had you know the the nes and the super nintendo which did well then they had the n64 and the gamecube which did well but was n not a smash hit then they had the fucking wii which is yeah. like the second best-selling console of all time. Then they have the Wii U, which is the worst. And then they have the Switch. You know what? It's it's the up and down. So it's that it's very interesting to see what concepts they take from the Switch, like the um, the hybrid and stuff yeah. like that, and to see what happens next generation and if they iterate on that or do something completely new. Because iterating on the Wii didn't end up so well. With the gamepad but the gamepad eventually became the switch so it's it's just it's so cool i love talking about it I, we are once again off topic <laughs> for mario galaxy <laughs> um okay very simple question what is your favorite level of mario galaxy beach bowl galaxy is my favorite yo same oh my god really? Yes, yes, I love Beach Ball It is so, like, I think it's just the the um, Sunshine fan in me. But why? Why do you like it so much? Um, I, I think, first of all, I love just the concept of these literal bowls of beaches. Uh, first of all, I think that's quite clever. Just in yeah, terms yeah. of, it's a great <laughs> way of recontextualizing, like, a simple level theme with, with, with kind of a new spirit. Uh, I also love the penguins. I think that they're so endearing. I love the music. The da 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 da. I I I think it I think it is so charming. There's so much charm there, and then the fun of exploring underwater and those eels are down there, and they're guiding the, the they're guarding the pieces of the the launch star and the ways it operates in a couple different tiers. I just I think it's quite I think it's quite a remarkable galaxy. Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, one of my favorite things is the swing. The yeah. swing that like it goes into the water is so. I remember being a kid and just like doing that for like an hour, just like, and you know you swing. Oh, so simple. And again, Nintendo just finds a way to make everything fun because you know, you just fly off into the water. It's like it's literally like being a kid. Um. And the music, like you said, this um, we haven't even gotten into that yet. A big thing of this game was that it had an or orchestral soundtrack which is yeah was such a big thing at the time even though like so many games had already done that for something like mario and uh i think it really shows because 
Mario is so known for its music. Yes. And then you take this game and it's okay, Mario's known for its music and being catchy, but now it's known also for its just beautiful quality as well. Yeah. I love Ugh. the soundtrack. I, I love it. Yeah. I, I and again I think I as as I mentioned before we started talking about design philosophies of hardware and before we started talking about Pokemon back when we were talking about Mario Galaxy. I was saying that the the game operates on on a scope and scale, and which is partially evoked by the soundtrack, and so making it orchestrated just gives it a new texture, this new dimension to the sound. It doesn't feel flat, because I love mm-hmm. I love um, one of my favorite Mario songs is Bob on Battlefield, but it does feel flat. And then when you when yeah. you hear the the instruments and you know the work that went into producing uh, a Gusty Gardens Galaxy or, or whatever, it just it just works, and it, and it elevates the game, and, and, and it really illustrates the utility of brilliant sound design and, and scoring to make a game even better. One of my favorite quotes about this game is from Scott the Waz, <laughs> and it is, Gusty Gardens is sex. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's good. That level is so great, and just the... Um, the theme of that galaxy yeah. even even something uh like the hub world of the observatory right like as soon as you get in it it's the it's the and it just like builds right to to this great crescendo and even when it, it comes back down to more simpler tones to kind of restart it's still like it's still building it's still it's so it's it's catchy but in a different way compared to to some of Koji Kondo's like other music, right? Like, ah, it's it 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 just goes to show that there's different ways for something to be beautiful, in a sense. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. And and speaking of the Comet Observatory, uh, how do you compare that to something like Isle Delfino or Peach's Castle? Do you think it kind of holds up? No, not at all. I, I think I think that the Comet Observatory is, is the one area where the game I think fumbles pretty seriously, because it's neat. I like the idea of it, but it just feels so lifeless. Even when you start to bring it back to life by by ha- having more power stars start to power up new parts of the of the, of the ship, and the and the music gains more instruments, and it becomes so lively with. You know that that sound and, and the colors and the lights, and then you've got you know, like the Toad Brigade who shows up down on the on on the platform. Um, but it's just not it's not particularly engaging. There aren't a lot of secrets to find. There's not a lot of fun to be had in just the movement of it. Um, I've always found it to be a little bit too big. Also, once you get the red star, you can you, you can fly around a little bit. It's cool, but I just think it feels pretty mm-hmm. flat in comparison to everything that came before and after it. I I mean I love Starship Mario, for instance. I think that's so yeah. clever, but I just think that the Comet Observatory lacks that. Speaking of uh, the Toad Brigade, that little theme, that little dun 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 dun, dun, dun like I play that in my head every single day when I'm doing <laughs> something or I'll just like hum it to myself. So catchy, but I I agree. It's, it's like even compared because you know Peach's Castle is is the. Um, Kind of like the main example of a hub world in video games. Yeah, but it's a gold standard. Even Isle Delfino, like, there's so much to do. There's secrets. There's so many ways of traversal. There's there's messing around with flood. There's getting the 
rocket nozzle and and going and just like doing something it's there's the underground there's so much and in and and in this it's just jumping around there are no secrets you can find like a couple one-ups and it's 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 still fun i you know i was messing around in it before um we hopped on the call and like i still love it but you're right it, it doesn't hold a candle to the quality of hub world that mario is known for yeah um but the thing i like about it is is the part that it you know you get more power stars and it does light up and it gives like this sense of progression in the same sense of of peach's castle where you get more stars and you can open more doors um in a way the game kind of changes not really that progression but i feel like once i get to the way I play, once I get to a new section in something like Mario 64, like a new part of the castle, I stay in that part. And I don't yeah. constantly return. But in Mario Galaxy, they have the Trickster Comets, which show up in the older galaxies, and you can go and complete these sort of challenges. Um, and again, it's something that some people are a bit hot or cold on. Because... There's different things you can do. There's the collect the purple coins. There's the one hit challenges, the race cosmic Mario, the the challenges to find Luigi and stuff like that. So where do you stand on that? I, I think that they're a good addition. I, I think that they're a nice way to get a little bit more mileage out of the um, the linear structure. Um, I don't really. I've never really understood the, the criticism for them because they're usually short and they 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 just offer a different route back through the, those stages. So I always found them to be a, a, quite a positive addition and something that you couldn't really do in the context of another 3D Mario game because you get that you get that moon, you get that shine, you, you got it, right? You, you can have other experiences in those levels, but you can't have th- the same thing because they're not, they're not these sculpted stages the way that they are in galaxies. So I think it just gives another reason to revisit them and to notice new things about each stage so i have always liked them i it's it's funny now that we're talking about it i think doesn't it kind of go against the design philosophy though because like we said it's all about the new thing but then the the comets are we'll just do this level over again with one health or just race through the same world again with Cosmic Mario. Yeah, so, I mean... I don't necessarily think that because the game is focused on variety, it can't also revisit that ground. I think that the game certainly does extend its length in, in artificial ways, like going back through with Luigi, or um, like the one-hit challenges. But if you're there for the purple coins, you're there to race Cosmic Mario, I think they just offer sort of an, an economical way to get a little bit more out of that stage. Because ultimately, the, the game has so much variety that it doesn't, it doesn't become repetitious. If, you, if you've just gone to three different galaxies and then you're coming back to this prior one, the game is just cycling you through ideas so quickly that going back once in a while doesn't feel like backtracking. Because w- there's so much momentum moving us forward that there's nothing yeah, wrong with true. stepping back once, once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, the game does incentivize you to come back again after you 
initially yeah. beat the game because you unlock Luigi and you can right. play as Luigi and there's like very minute differences. He can jump a bit higher and he's a bit yeah. uh, slidier and slippier, but I always loved that part of the game. I, I like it when um, cause not a lot of developers incentivize players to replay their game in any sense of the word because yeah. most games like a lot of people don't play them what what very casual players don't realize is that most video games have terrible completion rates of course yeah. it is like surprisingly low um but for me something like you can now play as luigi is super exciting and i love that like even i would replay the game like five times if they were like you could play as peach or wario or <laughs> Shit, waluigi yeah. like i i love that kind of stuff it's 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 I think it's brilliant, but... Yeah, I, I think that it's... I think they could have done more more with Luigi, but nonetheless, I think yeah. it's fun that he's there as a bonus. And you're totally right. I, a fun thing to do is if you're playing on... If you're playing on PlayStation, playing on Xbox, and you're playing a narrative game, pay attention to the percentage of players who get even just a trophy, the a mandatory trophy for finishing the first, you know, act of a game or something. You will see that people mm -hmm. fall off really quickly. And so, unfortunately... Uh, a lot of these sort of like bonuses either become relegated to DLC or post-launch updates or whatever because developers know why am I going to spend my resources here when maybe 10% of my player base is actually even going to reach this point in the first place. So I think unfortunately, mm -hmm. by and large, these sorts of bonuses have become like a like a, a, a holdover from an older era of design before there was this heat mapping which allowed us to know where our development resources should actually be going. Mm-hmm. But it's weird, right? Because, again, don't know anything about game development in that sense. I just imagine that it doesn't take a lot of resources yeah. to make Luigi playable. Because he's already a character in the game. He already has right. his model. Um, and to me, if I was a game developer, I would want to incentivize somebody to beat the game. And I'd want to reward the people who do. Right. So... I, I get both points. I get both points very well, right? Like, why would I relocate uh, resources to this when not a lot of people get there? But at the same time, for the people who are getting there, I want them to feel good and give them a reward for getting there. So it's it's definitely uh, like competing philosophy. But again, I just like Luigi. He cool. He's very cool. <laughs> and it's balloon world. It's and very funny. Yeah, it's 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 very funny to play as Luigi, and then go back to that level where you have to rescue Luigi and you think it's going to be Mario, and you're like, wait, I'm rescuing Luigi <laughs> as Luigi? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Oh, so good. So, so, so good. Where does the 3D All-Star collection fit in this for you? And how does it kind of affect your relationship with Galaxy? Um, I. What's interesting is I think that it is, it is neither better nor worse than playing it on Wii. I think the problem is that the controls just aren't quite right. The, the, there's too much Joy-Con drift for that for that gyro cursor to ever quite feel right for me. Um, and there is not enough just precision. Well, there's precision, but there's, there's, there's not a good feel to using the touchscreen for, um, for the star bits and everything in handheld mode. I think the controls are just not as good as the Wii Remote Nunchuck. 
but the game is is beautiful on Switch. It was always beautiful on Wii, but it's even more beautiful on Switch, right? I, a lot of people were saying when it came out, this could pass as a new game, and, and I think, well, it's hyperbolic to an extent, not as much as you would expect out of a 2007 title, because it really is stunningly beautiful, and I think cleaning it up on Switch, bringing it into to native widescreen and things, is it, quite compelling. But, I don't know, I think the 3D All-Stars Collection on the whole is a humongous and transparent cash grab from Nintendo, um, which sours <laughs> the package a little bit. But I don't think you, you're necessarily going wrong by playing Galaxy on Wii, but like I think it's the definitive way to play Sunshine. But I can't say the same for, for Galaxy. I mean, you, you you said it perfectly. It is. It was a disappointment, and um, I, to me, it is the way to play Galaxy. Just, sure. I just like playing things without motion controls, and I like yeah. the GameCube controller in my hands and stuff like that. But it is beautiful. It, it you know, Sunshine is beautiful. Mario sixty four ain't that beautiful, but um, it's. Man, I just love these games. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about this game this this beautiful little wee treasure i don't know i i feel like we, we've really sung its praises in, in their totality but i think what i would say to end is that we haven't we we would never be able to i think aptly describe to you listener on spotify i'm speaking directly to you <laughs> i would never be able to describe to you the feeling of of going through that launch star for the first time and watching Mario move through the sky. There, there's there's a, 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 a beauty on a technical level, on a design level, on a just sort of game feel level that you need to play for yourself. Um, well, sorry you can't buy it off the eShop anymore, but if you can track <laughs> down a copy of 3D All-Stars, because they're a dime a dozen in a retail shop, apparently, I think you need to play this one for yourself. And it's also available uh, digitally on Wii U, but you probably don't have one, so you might you probably have a Wii like <laughs> two inches thick of dust in an attic somewhere. Break it out to play this game. I, 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 think, I think this is an essential Mario game. My last question to you is why pick this game over Mario Galaxy 2? Uh, because Mario Galaxy 2 has no identity. Mario Galaxy 2. Wow. Mario Galaxy 2 is the is more galaxy, which means it isn't galaxy to me. And the reason Galaxy <laughs> 1 is special is because there is nothing like galaxy. Galaxy 2 is just an iteration. And that's not special to me. I think that operating Starship Mario across a, a world map is not special. I think that Yoshi's great. I think that there's a lot of great levels here. But the story of, 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 of Galaxy is taking Mario someplace new and taking a, a, a different design philosophy into the 3D Mario series and, and reinventing what didn't need reinvention. That's what's interesting about Galaxy. Galaxy 2 is saying... Galaxy 2 is doing what Nintendo never did for 64, which was saying, you love this, here's more. And there's something compelling about that, but there's also something compelling about the fact that often, Mario does not do that in 3D. 64, Sunshine, Galaxy, Odyssey. 
we went we went from this run from 2010 to 2013 of we're gonna stay in the same zone but galaxy is good because it's not in it wasn't in six it wasn't in 64 in sunshine zone so that's why i picked galaxy one that is a perfect answer <laughs> I was I was gonna say, but hey, we got Yoshi. <laughs> it does have Yoshi. He's very funny. And hey, you can't play as Luigi, so clearly it's it's not a, the superior <laughs> game. <laughs> well, geez, man, thank you for this. Um, Absolutely, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Damn, this is this has been great. Um, where can people find you? So uh, people can people can find me in in in. Um, uh, Midcoast, Maine, or outside of Boston, but the <laughs> but the answer you're looking for um, is you can find me on Twitter. Just like up Abram Buner. Um, that's kind of the nexus for all of my work. But you can find my actual my content in three places. You can find me in the pages of Ninty Fresh. Um, you can find me uh, at Retroware next to Sterling, um, and you can also find me over at Backspace Log Space Banter on YouTube. Uh, where me and a couple of my friends uh, do film and gaming content near daily. Um, so if you, the, the bottom line is that you can find more of me online than you, than you want. So engage at your own peril. <laughs> no, man, I want more now after this. <laughs> Damn. You're going you're gonna to be getting a lot of calls from me. <laughs> asking Sounds you to great. Come back. I'd love to. Oh, um, yeah. Ah, this is this has been so good. Uh, everybody, as usual, I've been your host Sterling Silver. You can find me on Twitter at Silver Sterling. You can find my articles on Retroware right with beside Abram. Um, you can find my articles on Jump Cut Play, and you can listen to the anime podcast I'm a part of, the Simply Anime Podcast. Woo, this has been great. Oh, I had so much fun. Thanks, man. Thank you again. I'll be eternal, eternally grateful. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been awesome. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. We hope you enjoyed uh, this romp and the <laughs> occasional rambling <laughs> off yeah. topic. But we love you very much, guys. Thank you very much, and have a good day. Goodbye.